this episode, we discuss Xbox Live adding more cross-platform support, Virgin Galactic signing Under Armour, oh, and hey, Wing, if you're listening, Ben Affleck is not Batman. We'll also debate whether Google really should be taking more shots at Apple, and I give you an update on my latest smart home project, this one inspired by my wife. This and more in this week's show. I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gonna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gonna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Welcome to episode 274 of the Gunna Geek Show. I'm Stephen John Drew, and I've got Chris Farrell here. I'm here. I'm excited. I'm ready to do this thing. Guess what? He paid me lots. No, he didn't pay me. He blackmailed me. That's right. Uh, Stargate Pioneer had the dirt on me, so he's back this week. Yeah, it was either blackmail Stephen or show up for my severance pay, and I think I actually make out more with severance pay here. So, Stephen, I, I expect the check in the mail, and uh, thank you very much for all the time on Gonna Geek. Wait, if he's getting paid by leaving, I want to get paid now, too. So, how do I get fired? How do I get fired? Will I get paid if I leave? <laughs> well, in any case, no matter what it is that Stargate Pioneer threatens to release to the public. Yes, we're back this week with a few of us, and uh, we've got some news coming up, but we're also going to talk a little bit later about my recent adventure in some home automation that I wanted to share about sort of my decision tree and how I came to deciding something this week. Uh, well, it was la the last couple of weeks, but I, I definitely decided on it this week because I'm about to talk about it on this show. By the way, if you're not familiar, we are part of the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has a bunch of amazing geeky content on it, including a couple of shows about a couple of television shows. And uh, one of them is called Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that usually is all about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's not back till the summer, so... Stargate Pioneer, I understand that you've been hired as the official correspondence correspondent for Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I understand they contracted you out to talk on the show. So while you're not talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., what does Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. talk about? Right now we're slugging our way through the remainder of the Netflix, should we call them the um, Defenders series, I guess, at least for now. Still waiting for that cancellation notification on um, Punisher, which we are going down the first season of Punisher episodes, almost done with that. And then we will jump into the next series, which I believe is Jessica Jones season two. So we're slugging that way as we are in hiatus week number, I don't know, 37, as we march forward to the June premiere of the next season of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Woo -woo. That sounds like it's going to be an awesome season because I heard that you're actually going to be on it. Yes, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. I am. I, I did misspeak. I meant Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but there you go. Oh, you're not going to be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That's uh, If I was, I would be covered by an NDA until said time that the episode was released. Yeah, so I cannot I, confirm nor deny. I've definitely been billing you for a long time now, for a couple of months, as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Stargate Pioneer. The well, lesson learned yeah. here is don't fight Disney's NDA either. <laughs> You'll nope. lose. Yep. But that's worked out so well for other people. Like Mark Ruffalo. Has, has it... All right, let's go ahead and kick it off this week with something that comes out of the 
the world of Microsoft. And actually, I put this in here specifically thinking about Mr. Chris Farrell because I do want to get his take on this. I think that it's fair to say that he's the most multi-platform gamer out of the three of us here. And what I'm talking about today is that Microsoft's apparently getting ready to release an important software development kit. For those of you who are unfamiliar with that, you might have seen the term SDK. That's going to allow game developers to integrate Xbox Live into any title that they can run across PC, Xbox, iOS, Android, and the Nintendo Switch. This was spotted by Windows Central that there's a GDC session that is the information on there reveals that Microsoft will announce its cross-platform push for Xbox Live next month. The Xbox Live cross-platform play SDK is going to allow developers to integrate in friendsless multiplayer functionality and achievements into existing mobile games or other games on those platforms that I mentioned. And it's apparently a big part of Microsoft's new gaming mission that is really looking to reach outside of PC and Xbox markets and just bring a whole new level of multiplayer gaming to the whole Microsoft Xbox experience. Now, it's important to note that some iOS and Android games do have limited Xbox Live achievements, but they're really only enabled on Microsoft Studio games. So this SDK is going to allow people outside of Microsoft Studios to do this. I think that this is good personally because of the fact that it is encouraging more multi-platform different play or at least achievements and just building something together so again i brought this up though to hear what chris farrell our resident multi-platform gamer has to say so what i have to say listen to yesterday's all things good nerdy podcast on the gun and geek network oh i can't <laughs> believe you did that <laughs> no i'm kidding in all seriousness it's a good move by microsoft if you make it easier for people to use your service to get achievements, to have friend lists and things like that, you're more likely to want to use Xbox in the future, be it with the next gen one or with an Xbox one. And if you're smart with Microsoft, you're setting up all of these pieces. So you're getting people onto your service and using Xbox components for these things. And you can eventually say, hey, we've got this giant back catalog of games that we're doing right now with their game pass. Let's update it so that it works on these other consoles and let's put something out like that. And then you can do Game Pass, and we've already got the Xbox Live hooks into things, so you can just log in Xbox Live, play your games, play multiplayer stuff. Now, this is nothing they've announced, but I think if they're smart, that's the roadmap, is this is the first step towards bringing some of these Xbox games to other consoles, potentially. Regardless, it's a cool move, putting Xbox Live on phones, on Switches, and stuff like that. I love it. Yeah, I have to say that um, gamification is such a big thing right now with everything. With everything, you see it all over the place. And so even integrating more achievements and other things like that, I think is really cool. Even though, you know, there might be a big step that we still have to take in order to have truly multi-platform gaming on the masses, but this is a good step. And I'm really, really excited to see this. And if you want to hear him talk more about it, yes, check out All Things Good and Nerdy. <laughs> Is available at gunnageeknetwork.com and listen just to Chris because Chris is just the highlight over there. Willie and Anthony, they got good things to say, but it, we all know it's all about Chris. They might as well just call it the Chris Farrell show. It's true. <laughs> I'm the best. That's what it comes down to is that I am the best. And I'm glad that you've realized that, Stephen, that I am the best. Now, Stephen, I'm surprised you sold out your bell buddy so quickly. You know what? My bell buddy has done some things to purposely make me angry before, and he's just said it right out there. He said it before, but I got his back. I got his back when it matters. When it doesn't matter, though, I'll sell him out. I'll sell. I'll let's be honest. I'll sell anybody out for it for a, a big enough pay, price tag. You obviously sold me out last week. I did. I was very happy to. Uh, Suncast paid me a lot of money to fire you. A lot of money. I was hoping he'd sell me out so I'd get paid. Hasn't happened yet. All right. Well, moving on to our next point here. This one here is super exciting news for Wing on the Gunna Geek Network. Uh, what do we got going on out of the world of Batfleck? So let's take ourselves back in time to what was it? Four years ago on the GunnaGeek.com show when the news broke right before we started recording 
And we got the iconic line from Wing that we hammered into the ground forever. Quote, Ben Affleck is Batman. Well, not so much anymore, guys. Uh, Warner Brothers is setting up their next rendition of Batman to come out in June 25th, 2021. This is the one that Matt Reeves has been attached to as the writer and director. However, it looks like Ben Affleck is not returning to don the Dark Knight's cape and cowl like he has in previous movies, such as Batman v Superman and Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, and Justice League. Why is that? Well, reportedly, Matt Reeves is looking for a younger Bruce Wayne or Batman in his film, so it doesn't really leave much room for Ben Affleck. Now, going back in time, Reeves did come on board in February 2017. The rumors all started then because Ben Affleck was supposed to both write and direct the new Batman movie. So bringing in a new director who's handling the writing and directing makes it seem pretty likely that the star is not coming back. And in fact, Ben Affleck has confirmed this via his Twitter account. He quoted the exclusive story from Deadline Hollywood stating excited for the Batman in summer 2021 and to see Matt Reeves vision come to life. So Ben Affleck was Batman. So my question for you, it's twofold, guys. Where does Ben Affleck rank in your Batman pantheon? And who do you want to see as Batman next? Oh, that's a good that's this a is tough, tough question. That's a really tough, tough question. Um, who I want to see next, I'm gonna go in and just say right now that I kind of like it to be somebody that is a little out of left field. I like it when okay. we we get somebody that you don't necessarily expect, but they've been cast for a good reason. I think that that is something that is undervalued a lot. And when those sort of things happen, I think that it works out really well. And I think when you play sort of the the typical, oh, so-and-so is going to be it. There's such a typical so-and-so character. It just generally lets you down because in your mind, you already have the expectations on what their performance is going to be. So I, I kind of want to see someone that we wouldn't expect maybe even an un uh, a relatively speaking unknown uh Ooh. as for where he ranks affleck i didn't like the batman that they did so i have a hard time gauging the batman i thought he did a good bruce but i really didn't care for the character that we saw and so i'm not gonna fault him on that but I will say that he was, he, I thought he was a good Bruce. Fair. So I would say that Batfleck ranks right above George Clooney and Christian Bale for me. Now, guys, I just hear me out here. I did not like either of those two characterizations at all. So they're on the bottom for me for the big screen characterization of Batman. Now, who would be an interesting take for Batman? And he'd have to finish what he's currently doing, but I think Stephen Amell could actually do it. Oh, that that would be interesting. And you know yeah. what? I think I think he could um, with more hair. <laughs> I will say that. I, I don't <laughs> want to bald Batman. Well, that's not a problem because he's still got hair. We've seen that. Uh, or we've seen a wig. I don't know. Either fair. way. <laughs> I just, yeah, that, that would be interesting. They won't do it. Yeah, it wouldn't be him, but um, that, that would be a good one. I like that. Uh, I do want to say this, though. Um, I personally think that we as society need to shake a certain infamous actor. And I'll let you use your imagination because I don't want to get JS too much hate mail. But I think that there's a lot of nostalgia playing with everybody's rankings as far as Batman goes because there was a certain actor that was the first real big screen to do it and they did an okay job and it was a good script. It was a really good script and I think we've got that in our minds so I am a little bit cautious when people rank their Batmans and sort of what they want to see next because I do, I do think that he that this actor gets a little bit more credit than he deserves. Don't talk about Adam West that way. <laughs> Come on, man. Have some respect for the dead. Adam West wasn't on the big screen, though, was he? There I was think... a Batman 66 movie. There it was indeed. That was the okay. bat, bat shark repellent, my friend. Bat shark <laughs> oh, repellent. Oh, yeah. Okay, with the helicopter and stuff. Got it. Yeah. And regardless, I just want to say to Wing, and I know he's listening to this, I just want to say Wing will always have Martha. <laughs> Martha. Oh, see, that's that's what I mean, though, right? Like, that's why I have such trouble gauging Affleck, because I really think, like, the writing 
for his Batman and the plots surrounding his Batman were so flawed. You know, you it's really hard to polish a turd. True, the Mythbusters did it though. <laughs> I, I've heard rumors that he was heavily involved in those scripts. All right then, uh, yeah, fair enough. Okay then, <laughs> but Affleck is not Batman to me. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. You didn't answer though, Chris Farrell. What did you you got to answer the question now. How he ranks in the rankings? If I'm not allowed, if I have to include only live actions, that means my default of Kevin Conroy can't come into play. So. I guess I'm not saying Kevin Conroy is the best Batman like I normally would. Oh, man, that's tough. Keaton's in the top third. God, Ben Affleck's probably like four or five. I don't even know who number one is. Maybe three. Where do you place Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer? He was a decent Bruce Wayne, but a terrible Batman. So if it's the Batman rankings, he's near the bottom. Where do you place George Clooney? Uh, at the bottom. At the, the bottom? very bottom. Okay. All right. So we've it's, got the it's bottom. It's not Clooney's fault. We've got it's not Clooney's fault. Val Kilmer. Okay. So we were working on building your list here, Chris. <laughs> so realistically, I probably have to put Keaton at either one or two, and then Adam West at the other position. He's a pro- Adam West Batman's a product of its time. And I think you have to look mm-hmm. at the Michael Keaton Batman the same way. That's a product of its time. You can't view it through a 2019 lens. I think Christian Bale's Batman gets unfairly beat up for the <laughs> voice because it is what it is. Oh, <laughs> that was a really good voice. I don't know what you're talking about, Steven. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. That one. I, yeah. I will say that I think that um, Adam West Batman was a really good Batman for for TV of that era. Like I think I think that when you're looking to have a easygoing Batman. Like, he was a really good fit for that. You know, it was before all of a sudden we made every live version of Batman ever the darkest thing in the world, which Batman's dark. Don't get me wrong. Batman's dark, but there is room for fun. How did Ralph Garman put it? He's the bright knight to the other being the dark knight. Fair I think that works well for for him. So honestly, it's it's a toss up one and two between West and Keaton and probably two. I guess it's going to have to be Bale and then work your way from there. In the if chat, it's animated, though, Kevin Conroy all the way. In the chat, we've got uh, Dane suggesting Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I suggested Conan O'Brien. A lot of people want Army Hammer to do it. He was almost him in the live action Justice League. They were rumored to do like in 2006, 2007. I think that would be an interesting pick. There's a rumor that Robert Pattinson is who WB wants. And really he's done other things but Twilight. I just I don't see it when I look at him. I don't see Bruce Wayne. Now, as I was saying to some folks on Twitter when I said that, I also did not see Heath Ledger as the Joker. And I proudly eat crow to this day for how wrong I was on that. You know, I, that's the example, though, of something left field. Like, OK, maybe that's not the unknown I was talking about. But that's the sort of thing that I want, because I think that there is the real potential for us to get all of those mental things out of our mind. Like we can judge based off of past work, but because it's not somebody that you expect, you're not thinking, okay, this is how he's going to be because it's so different from some of the things. Instead you go, what is he going to do? What's he going to do? Like This isn't twilight. So you're not coming up with those preconceived notions of this is the type of Batman he's going to be. Uh, go ahead. Guys, what about this? Charlie Cox. That would be interesting. That would be he's interesting. He's not under contract anymore. Mm-mm. That would be amazing. I could see Charlie. Co- that oh, Charlie Cox could be an amazing Batman. So here's the thing: they want to go younger with Batman. So I was thinking someone in like their twenties or so. And Charlie Cox, I just pulled it up on the Google machine, is 36. So I don't know if that's considered too old for their younger Batman that they wanted to do. So I was thinking like mid to late 20s is what they're targeting. If they're lying up Pattinson, Pattinson's 32. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah, but... Okay, so Cox is valid. Yeah. Uh, okay, and by the way, here we go. This is the, I searched for Robert Pattinson age, and uh, below <laughs> we have in... Uh, uh, for some reason, it says people also search for Kristen Stewart, Tyler Lautner, and then here we go. Here's one. How about Daniel Ratcliffe? He's 29. How about him? How about him as Batman? Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Can I just say, if if we weren't looking for a super young Batman, we got someone on this show here that I think would just be amazing, and his name's SP. I think SP was... could pull it off. 
Yeah, I give that. it a shot for the money coming in. That's for sure. <laughs> well, in any case, uh, I'm interested to see what happens here. And uh, I'm looking forward to a new era of Batman again. However, with that said, I am very, very worried about the continued fracture of DC movies everywhere, because this is probably just going to be another example of another weird timeline or another weird stream of DC movies. See, I we think say this is that, to fix it. Yeah, we say that, but even Marvel, they fixed the casting of Hulk. So I, it could be the same thing. I mean, it doesn't have to be the same actor that goes all the way through. You got a good Wonder Woman. You got a good Aquaman. I'm not going to say anything about The Flash because I've got personal feelings <laughs> on that. But uh, you've got two good, and then... I think you had a good Superman. I know people didn't like it, but he's gone. So now you have to recast Superman and Batman. If you bring a new Superman and Batman in the core with Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern, then I think you've got one hell of a Justice League 2 in the making. I'm I'm just worried about the continued fracture of DC because uh, we've already got the Suicide Squad confirmed, the new movie confirmed to be on its own. Like, it's just... I, th- I don't know why they're doing that. I, I am so confused. And is, is that the only way they could bring Harley Quinn back? Seriously? I have no idea. I'm I'm so confused know. about everything, and that's what I'm worried this is gonna be. But moving on to SP's news. SP, why are we talking about bold virgins again? It's not again. Go ahead, SV. Continue talking talking Jesus. about it. I, I understand that this is something that you're very passionate about. You're very passionate about, about the Virgin. I am never putting another Virgin Galactic story in the news. Oh my gosh. In all fairness, the company as a space agency is kind of young, so I could have called it Young Virgins. Stop. You're from Canada. Why not Young Blood? I'm impressed. I've never watched it, but I'm impressed that you know that. Uh, okay, that's impressive. I will okay. stop making jokes on that note. That That is a hockey movie, and I won't spoil it for anybody out there. You need to go watch it, I guess. All right, so Virgin Galactic is actually... This was a slow two news weeks because I wasn't here last week, but it was a slow space news weeks, and... Yeah, this was the top story, guys. Virgin Galactic boldly goes with Under Armour for suborbital spacesuits. This is an article in Space.com by senior writer Mike Wall on January 25th, 2019. In the article, it states that Under Armour will design the gear worn by passengers and pilots on Virgin Galactic suborbital space flights. Representatives of both companies announced on January 24th, quote, The partnership will also see Under Armour create uniforms for Virgin Galactic's world-class team at Spaceport America in New Mexico, unquote. This was said by Virgin Galactic representatives who wrote in the statement that was released to the press. Sir Richard Branson plans to be on the milestone mission of the first commercial VSS flight whenever it occurs, and we should get our first look at the Virgin Galactic space boot right around that time. Quote, the full range of apparel and footwear is set to be revealed later this year, ahead of Richard Branson's inaugural commercial flight, unquote. And that was a quote from Virgin Galactic's representatives from the same statement. So, guys, we got a space uniform. Wow. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think that we should have space uniforms. They should go naked. Well, that sounds uncomfortable. What if you, like, <laughs> spill something on yourself? Well... I guess then you just ask the Martians to fix it. I think it is funny, though, that they went like Under Armour, like big name brands. So what's going to happen? Like the Russians are going to go with Nike or something like that for a future space uniform, stuff like that. It, it, it's entertaining from that regard because I'm a big fan of college football. And one of the things that always goes on is so and so just got the contract for uniforms for this team. <laughs> yes. So there's been a lot of that buzz on Twitter right now. And a lot of people going oh, who's going to get the next uniform contract for such and such? And then here, SP like, Under Armour got the space uniform. It just kind of tied into the to those moments I've been having on Twitter, and I couldn't help but giggle a little bit to myself. I'm surprised yeah. at, uh, at this, too, for that exact reason. I, I can't believe this. This is absolutely crazy. You see them sponsoring. They saw, sponsor a reality show, for crap's sake. I forget which one it is. It might be Big Brother Canada. I can't believe, like... 
Uh, this is nuts. I Let's feel- not forget that friggin' Red Bull sponsored one of the cooler space events in recent memory too, which was the space the space jump or whatever. Jump, yeah, the Halo. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought that he just drank a lot of Red Bull. That was what it, I was under the impression. He did. wings. <laughs> yeah, he did drink some, and he had to go pee pee <laughs> on the way up too. Oh <laughs> uh, well. In any case, you can bet that anytime soon, if you watch the video version of this, which is available at www.gunnageek.com/show or on our YouTube channel, pretty soon you will see Stargate Pioneer wearing Under Armour, guaranteed. As long as it's sponsored. I'm not doing it unless it's sponsored. And GMC, I'm still looking at you for that truck. (laughs) He's going to Ford soon. He's going to do it. Uh, Moving on to our extra, extra section here. Let's start off with one that we've got here from the world of Google. (gasps) Google is apparently taking more shots at Apple. Their newest marketing campaign involves the Pixel 3 doing direct comparisons in photos to the iPhone XR, I believe it is. It's one of the more recent iPhones. And what they do is they just shot for shot compare at night. And this is really highlighting the night sight feature of the Pixel line. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I get why they're doing this. I think I've talked about before night sight, I think is a very impressive feature. I've used it quite a bit. I like it. I think it looks good. They've done some amazing things with software with the Pixel lines, but let's be real here. The Pixel 3 was not celebrated. Like, there was a lot of flaws with the Pixel 3 line. It was overall pretty boring. They didn't implement a lot of good things, and their notch execution was pretty poor. So for them just to go and start taking shots direct on with Apple, it's kind of like, really? Okay, you got you got a couple cool features here that clearly beat Apple, but you, you don't have the whole package to do this. But it's Apple XR. It's the XR. Isn't that what you said? It's the iPhone XR? Uh, I, mean, I might have misspoke. It might have been the XS. It was, uh, I'll, I'll see if I can figure that out. So, All right. If it's the XR, I can completely understand because that phone would be about the same price point as the Pixel 3, and it is so underperformed of other, for, other phones in the same uh, price point the only thing that you gain is the same ios as the big boys i was wrong it was the excess oh uh, wait yeah that's not gonna happen <laughs> one thing to keep in mind they did have camera issues with the pixel 3 where sometimes the camera doesn't work right like people take photos and it doesn't save them to the camera roll or it lags before opening and it seems to be unique to the pixel 3 line the pixel 2 and the pixel ones they're not doing it so it's very confusing Yeah, I agree, and that's why I really wanted to put this in here, because I just, I think that there's certain things Google's had the rights to definitely go ahead and stand up, like the day, the time that they did keep the headphone jack, Um, but this here, my friend, is, you're not really in a position to be doing this, in my opinion, so anyways, I'm a little let down, but I still, I like my Pixel phone, I like my Pixel 2, and I I actually have good faith the 4 will be quite a bit better than the 3, just because... There's uh, if you look into it in the background, there's some really good theories on why the Pixel Three was just nothing, and and it's sensible. Guys, I got to tell you, I had a dream, and I in the dream, I actually either got or bought very cheaply a Note Eight, and I woke up and I was disappointed that I did not have a Note Eight. I forgot to tell you, by the way, I'm converting back to Apple. I've got an Apple right here. I'm see, I'm converting. Going back. Mm-hmm. Oh no. No, I'm not. I just happens to be here. This is I, I have a wonderful iPhone 6 that's sitting here that uh had the Wi-Fi go dead on it because of the fact that, well, every freaking iPhone that my wife and I have owned within the last five years has gone dead with the Wi-Fi card. <laughs> <laughs> got a couple of successes right here. Nice. Very nice. Probably got a six. This is a six right here. Got a six right here. Uh, I don't know how many of them work because they're all probably dead. Here's my old 6 Plus, which I know is dead. So, yeah, I got some Apple phones here. (laughs) By the way, for those audio listeners, SP has a habit of just pulling out all of his iPhones that he's, like, ever owned. And I've had people tell me before that they really like it whenever you just start pulling out phone after phone after phone. So, way to go, SP. I've got five people in the house that need a smartphone. I don't need a smartphone, but have a smartphone. and have. 
ended up buying all of them. So they come back to me when they're dead. There's never enough. Moving on to the next extra extra point here. What do we got out of space again, Stargate Pioneer? Well, we have actually some legitimate space news, but I just like the Under Armour story better. So Blue Origin's new Shepard rocket launches with some experiments on board and aces its landing. This was in another Space.com article by Mike Wall on January 23rd, 2019, in which he states that the reusable New Shepard launched into space on January 23rd on its 10th ever test flight, a brief on-crewed jaunt, I was going to say launch, jaunt, that carried at least eight NASA-sponsored research and technology payloads to suborbital space and back. The mission, which lasted 10 minutes and 15 seconds, reached an altitude of 66 miles, or for you Canadians, 107 kilometers. And the mission began at 10.05 a.m. when the new Shepard rocket capsule duo lifted off from Blue Origin's West Texas test site. The rocket soon came back down to Earth for a vertical touchdown. Does that remind you guys of anything? And the capsule followed suit with a parachute for this particular new Shepard vehicle. Did it remind you of anything, Chris? SpaceX? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about vertical video syndrome. Oh, oh that's what I can see. Oh, you know, be how you want to capture it if it's coming down. You want to have your phone up and down. Oh, well, that might be a legitimate use of vertical video. I'd have to actually go back and go to the professionals and find out. <laughs> Regardless, this was the fourth space flight for this particular New Shepard vehicle, which the fourth flight for the vehicle, which itself is the third such vehicle that Blue Origin has developed and flown over the years. The vehicle also performed some orbital test flights in December 2017 and April and July of last year. Blue Origin, which is led by Amazon.com's, do we call him half billionaire yet, or is it still billionaire? I have no idea. He's still, it's not finalized yet, so technically he's still a billionaire, I think. Okay. <laughs> so Amazon.com's billionaire founder, Jeff Bezos, aims to fly paying passengers aboard New Shepard perhaps as early as 2019, which is this year. But the company has not yet begun selling tickets or announced how much it will cost to book a seat. Mm, I have a feeling that you're doing a little pregnant pause here because you're going to go, but I do know because I bought a seat. Is that what you were about to do there? No, if I was going to go on this, Jeff would just give me a seat for free. Yeah, you and him Hello. are on first name basis now, hey? Well, I mean... He's got to hang out with somebody now that his, you know, marriage isn't going too well. Ooh, Whoa, too shots fired. Hashtag shots fired. Uh, well, thank you very much for telling us all about that. Uh, doesn't compare to the Under Armour story, though. Sorry. Exactly, which is why I headlined with the Under Armour story. <laughs> also in the extra extra here, let's go ahead and give a shout out to Amazon again, who is, by the way, this podcast is not sponsored by Amazon. Let's make that very clear. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> Amazon is updating the Apple TV app to support the X-Ray feature on Prime videos. If you're not familiar with the X-Ray feature, it's basically an information feature where when you are watching a piece of programming that is supporting the X-Ray, you can get different information that's pulled from IMDB for the people who are on screen at the time. I've actually seen this with, uh, I think it's the desktop player, and I've been pretty impressed with how good it is because it does bring people, uh, bring in information based on the people on the screen at the time. Obviously, it's not perfect, like if a scene's going back and forth, it's not going to be like that, but generally the people within that scene, and it works pretty well. Apparently, they are updating the Apple TV app, and it's going to be a bit of a rollout, so you might not see it right away. But again, it only does support shows that uh, have supported X-Ray. So that's mostly Prime Originals. But it's neat to see because there was a couple of times that uh, when I was watching, um, I think it was Jack Ryan, that I was watching it on my computer and I'm like, Why, where do I know that person from? And sure enough, I, you know, however I activated it, if I hit pause or whatever it was, it ended up coming up on screen and I didn't have to go search manually. By the way, apparently I didn't know this. Amazon owns IMDb. I had no idea. They do indeed own IMDb. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was their first digital book that they bought. Ah, uh, good to know. And why don't you go ahead and wrap up our extra extra here with the last piece of space news, Stargate Pioneer. Yeah, it's another and perhaps the last Virgin Galactic story that we have on Gunna Geek because, well, I don't want to be kidded about virgins anymore. 
But this is an unfortunate story. Virgin Galactic actually laid off staff Wait, as their test program. How can virgins be laid? I knew um, that was coming. Um, and this article was by Jeff Faust of SpaceNews.com. And it was posted on January 25th, 2019. Suborbital spaceflight company Virgin Galactic laid off about 40 people earlier this month as part of a realignment of skill sets in the company's workforce as it prepares to shift into commercial operations later this year. Virgin Galactic confirmed the layoffs that accounted for roughly 5% of the overall workforce at Virgin Galactic and its subsidiary the spaceship company those layoffs will not affect plans to continue testing spaceship two with the next test flight expected to take place in the coming weeks so does that mean that you're being laid off from this company because uh i understand you work for every space organization no 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 every space organization works for snasa oh fair enough i got that hierarchy wrong my apologies mm -hmm. there you go you gotta go where the money is Chris Farrell, do you work for them? I can neither confirm nor deny that I do. <laughs> Part of that NDA, Chris. Congratulations. I don't know what you're talking about. I can confirm nor deny nothing. Is nothing. that like just to do with this topic or like all of life? You can't confirm or deny it. Wouldn't you like to know, sir? Wouldn't you like to know? I mean, the dude's about to get married in about 100 days or so. I mean, just leave him alone. We should start on this show here, a Chris Gets Married countdown. We should do that every week. We can, you will, we'll actually stop naming the episodes and we'll do them as a countdown. So we'll see our numbers start going down. People would appreciate that. Well, I mean, we're only really a few months away. Yeah, I know how many days it is, so I could state it, but I'm not going to pinpoint the date on the air. Well, we could, we could come up with an arbitrary uh, substitute that we know the truth, but the audience won't. So we'll kind of be counting down. It'll be let's, it'll be fun. Let's go 107 days then. I know this is shocking information, but as you may or may not recall, I have been slowly adding to my home automation setup over the last few years. Gasp. I'll just give everybody a moment to recover with that shocking news. Now, as you may also recall, a few weeks ago, I was away for work. I know a lot of people were excited, especially people listening to the show, because I didn't do that episode that, that week. It was highlight of everybody's week. Well, after being away for nearly a week, I got back. And one of the first things that my wife did was greet me in one of the best ways possible. She asked for more home automation. That's right. Nice. This was one of the first things she said when I got back. Now, before we go further, I need to lay some groundwork so you can understand what I'm going to be talking about today. Now, I want to start by saying that if you've missed it with my home automation setup, uh, I've actually got some similarities to Chris Farrell because Chris Farrell was actually Ooh. the one that first got me into it. Largely, I've been basing my home automation stuff on the Wink platform. And I also, though, have an Amazon Echo Plus. Chris doesn't have that, but I do. Uh, I don't. And paired with that, because the Echo Plus acts as a hub, I've got a couple of Philips Hue bulbs that are linked directly to that Echo Plus. I also use a bit of If This Then That. It's a third-party service that connects with some other smart stuff in order to bridge it all together, like my home security system technically doesn't mesh with Wink, but I use if this and that to kind of bridge the two together. Now, I don't know that I've mentioned it on this podcast, but back in October, we actually got ourselves a family dog. So we've got a puppy and that means we have to take out the dog all the time now. And what this has actually meant is that after nearly 10 years in this house, we are now regularly cutting through our garage to use an outside door that is um, there's basically a door going out of my garage to the backyard. And so that's just been something that I haven't had a reason to use. And now I'm using that quite regularly. And in the garage, there is a standard sort of garage light fixture two regular screw and bulb, you know, that sort of thing. But it is a three way switch. So there's a switch on the door where you enter from my house into the garage and then where you enter or exit out into the yard. Now that brings okay. me, sorry. I said, okay, I'm excited. I want to know what you're doing here 
because I need to know how I'm going to up my game next. I purposely did not read your notes here because I want to be surprised. Yes, it probably has nothing to do with the fact that I put them in about a half hour ago. Uh, <laughs> which brings me to the point today. Apparently, while I was gone, my wife noticed several times that the garage lights were left on either by kids or by somebody else. I won't name names. I wasn't home. Uh, so we want to, of course, try to make sure. <laughs> I didn't name names. You guys were kidding me about getting old and, and co uh, controlling the lights when I was talking about my porch <laughs> lights and everything. Now, I, oh my gosh, Steven, get off my lawn. You kids turn off those lights. Oh gosh. I've already built myself a rocker so that I can sit out there with, uh, with a paintball gun because guns aren't legal in Canada. So... <laughs> <laughs> so when she asked me about this obviously we wanted to try to find a way that those lights could automatically go off and originally i was thinking i was going to use a three-way light switch uh, i had in mind the tp link three-way light switch that we've actually talked about a little bit in the gunna geek discord if you want to check that out gunnageek.com slash discord and then i realized i didn't really want to go that way because it's a wi-fi switch and i wanted it to sort of integrate into the rest of my system especially because my wife primarily uses the wink app plus i saw that it was 80 bucks and i know around christmas it was nearly half that so i wasn't wanting to spend that sort of money on there and then the other thing occurred to me and trust me chris and sp will attest to this i'm lazy no. it's true guys it's true I'm very lazy and flicking a switch on and off is just too much work for this guy. Just way too much work. <laughs> so then I remembered, wait a minute, Steven, you actually already have smart light bulbs in there because a while back I got for dirt cheap, a bunch of wink compatible light bulbs. They don't do color temperature or anything. They're on and off smart, but I got them for like a few dollars each. So I picked up quite a few and a while ago I did end up putting them in the garage. So then I thought to myself, what might be the better way to go is to do a motion sensor because then you're just using a motion sensor to essentially trigger those lights on and off. Now, I looked in the first place that I, I went and it was I looked because Wink actually sells an official motion sensor and it was $49, but it wasn't regularly available. I would have had to order it in and I'm impatient. I might be lazy, but I'm impatient as well. And so after a little bit of Googling, I saw that the Philips Hue motion sensor was readily available in town at $49. Now, while I don't have many Philips Hue lights, I do have that Echo Plus that I mentioned. And the thing was, initial Google said that the Philips Hue motion sensor might not be compatible with this system. But I've came across a post from like three or four days earlier where someone said, yeah, I've got a working pair directly to the Echo Plus. And I've been wanting to try, since they implemented about half a year ago, the uh, motion triggers on the Amazon Mute Your Devices, the A-L-E-X-A. I'm going to say it in a minute, so there's your warning to mute it. Um, I've been wanting to try the motion activation features within the Alexa app for a little while. So what did I really have to lose but to buy it? If it didn't work, I was going to go ahead and take it back, and I bought it, and I paired it, and it worked it absolutely worked with the triggers prepared directly to the Amazon Echo Plus. Nice. Now, here's the thing is it worked from a feature perspective, but it didn't really work for my scenario. The field of view on it, I couldn't get it right to work with the different corners of my garage. Just the way that I had to adjust it, it just didn't work as well. Unfortunately, most of the time where I wanted to place it, I couldn't get a connection. It wouldn't get a connection because my garage is essentially at the opposite end of where my Echo Plus is. And I'll explain that more in a little bit. But where I wanted to place it, it just wouldn't get a connection. So amongst all of this here, my good friend Stargate Pioneer, you might have heard him before over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Uh, he was looking to buy some other smart stuff. And we were talking a little bit back and forth about the differences between Wink and smart things. And during this whole Google, I came up with finding that SmartThings actually has their own motion sensor. Now, at first glance, you might go, Steven, why would you want to do that? SmartThings is Wink's competitor. Well, it was $27, <laughs> quite a bit cheaper than the alternatives, <laughs> right? 27 bucks, big difference from 49. Now, the thing as well was that Wink actually said they were compatible with it. 
Upon investigation, it was the previous generation that it works with. The current version does not work with Wink, but the previous one does. So that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe in the future there might be a bit of compatibility to get the motion sensor working. But I thought to myself, you know what? This motion sensor $27 is Zigbee. Again, I'm going to buy it from Lowe's. If it doesn't work, I'll take it back. L let's give it a shot. Let's see if it pairs with the Echo Plus. And it did. It paired perfectly with the Echo Plus directly. And so I went and tried the field of view. And guess what? It was better than the Hue. It did exactly where I wanted to pick up. It worked great. And the wall that I wanted to put it on, it did connect back with the Echo Plus. The Hue, as soon as I put it up there, obviously the transmitter isn't as, a, or the receiver isn't as a strong or whatever, and it would always just cut out. The uh, SmartThings one did work perfectly. So I went through and I set it all up so that I had Alexa automatically turn on the bulbs when it's detect motion. And then within the Alexa app, you can go in and you can say after so many minutes of inactivity, do a routine. And so I did that where it would shut the lights off after five minutes. And it all seemed to work pretty well. But unfortunately, that distance problem did come back a little bit because the way that this is, like I said, they're essentially opposite ends of the house, but they're also one floor difference. Where I want to have them is, is basically the worst place that they could be. The Echo Plus needs to be in one area of my house. There's not really a good alternative for the room I want to have it in. This motion sensor has to be on this one wall to pick up everything. So I really, really have to deal with it and try to make it work. Yes, it does connect, but occasionally what happens is it does lose the connection because it doesn't trigger fast or it sometimes doesn't shut off, which means that it's essentially not getting the signal that has been inactive for five minutes. It's hard to explain. I've done a bit of tests and that's what I've ruled it out to is that it's just sort of coming in and out and not getting the full signal. Now, what I did do, though, as a little bit of a backup after, of course, trying the hue and not having that work and then installing the motion sensor, I thought to myself, Stephen, you've got that home security system and you have wonderful door sensors on the doors. So I went and I picked up an extra door sensor for $11, threw it on the door that I didn't have it on. And I used if this, then that to trigger when that door sensor opens, turn on the lights so that if by chance at that moment, something's going on and the motion sensor isn't responding fast enough or isn't fully working, at least it's a bit of a fallback. Now it's not ideal because it is a little bit uh, of a delay compared to the motion sensor when it is fully working, but it's better than having your lights not turn on. So that's how I ended up essentially creating a fallback. And the bonus with that as well is I do have a security uh, sensor on the main garage door, the big door. So obviously when that opens, it doesn't really, if you know anything about motion sensors, most of the inexpensive ones don't detect doors and stuff opening, they detect people, thermal and whatnot. So I've got that set so that once that door, big car door opens, it turns on the lights. So it doesn't even like the lights are on before the motion sensor ever gets any motion of someone getting out of whatever. So it works. It works really, really well for that. Now, given that I've been a little uh, curious about the Alexa motion sensors, I was curious whether or not the problem that I having was indeed the distance. Because I didn't rule out the fact that this is something that Amazon's only had for six months. And maybe, just maybe, it's a flaw with the software. So, of course, at the time, at $27, they were on sale for, I think, six or nine dollars off. I went and I bought up a couple, I bought a couple of them. And the nice thing about the way that they work is they actually have a base that is magnetic. So it's essentially a big round metal ball. And the way that the sensor goes onto it is it's just uh, it's magnetic onto it so that you can really pivot the motion sensor around however you want. So the back of the sensor itself is magnetic. It attaches to that ball and it just gets a really, really good position. Well, where I have the Echo Plus is my kitchen. So in order to find out whether or not it was the actual Alexa routine or the device, I went and I took the one 
that wasn't working. I swapped it out for a new one. I still continued to have problems. And then I went and I took it and I shoved it on my fridge because again, it's magnetic. So just as a makeshift place, I put it on my fridge. So within the same room as the Echo Plus, and I set up a routine to essentially do the same thing. And it's been flawless. It's been absolutely flawless ever since I put it up there in the kitchen, which tells me that it is indeed a distance issue that I'm having. So from uh, whether or not the Amazon routines work proper, I'm pretty confident on them because I've not once since I put it up a few days ago, had it not shut off after the amount of time that I've put in there. So I think that it's definitely uh, a distance issue that I'm having with my garage. So what exactly are the solutions that I possibly got to, to solve this issue? Well, quite honestly, I don't know that I'm going to work towards fixing it because I do have a couple of things that I think might possibly happen within the next year that might solve it on its own. Number one, I could potentially see myself moving from Wink over to SmartThings just because some exchanges that I've had with Wink over the last couple of weeks as I've been doing with this, eh, it's looking like a company that might not know what, know exactly the direction, really slow support. And, and I know in the past when they're really doing well and were better than SmartThings, they were a lot faster um, as well. Some devices aren't quickly getting added to Wink anymore. So I could see myself switching over to smart things at some point if all of my stuff is compatible. The other thing as well is I kind of want to at some point get an Echo Plus for the bedroom just for the extra speaker. Uh, I really like the Echo Dot that I've got, nice. but I would like to have the better speaker in there if I wanted. And of course, if I did that, the bedroom is right above the garage and would solve that proximity issue because it's right there and I could pair it to that instead of the kitchen one. Because if you've ever actually, if you own yourself an Echo Plus, you'll know when you've paired something directly to it, there's a section that you can go in and switch where it's paired to. It's the same thing with an Echo Show, I think has the Zigbee hub in it as well. And then possibly I might wait and see if Wink does end up adding support. I'm doubtful, but maybe that would be a win-win scenario. In the meantime, I did come across a local retailer called Canadian Tire that is selling a bunch of clearance smart plugs. And one of them was made by Sylvania and they are a Zigbee plug. Now I tried putting this in a spot that I've actually got a really good uh, use for, but it's not really a great place and it's still going back to the Echo Plus. I might try to put them in a couple other spots, but honestly, I just don't know that I really want to spend money on it when to, to sort of do a bandaid fix when I know that there's probably a better fix coming more permanent, whether it is the SmartThings Hub or an Echo Plus. So I might play around with that. In the meantime, I've got those there. I actually, um, I might I might take back the two that I didn't use. I really only needed one. But uh, it, it's still something that I can try if I want to use to add something in the middle. Because, sorry, I missed the part where Zigbee, the technology that transmits between the two devices, it creates a mesh network. Now, not all devices create a mesh network. Battery operated things, some light bulbs don't. It, it's they have to be a, a device that does support the essentially extending of a network. But a lot of these devices, like the plugs and the switches and whatnot, they all do. So I, I don't know. I kind of want to put a smart switch in my bedroom. And if I found a Zigbee switch at the right price, again, the bedroom's right above, that would probably be a good fix because that would sort of be a halfway mark. And I think it would work out okay. But honestly, I do think I'm probably just going to wait to go with one of the other solutions to get that all going. Uh, because in the meantime, it's mostly working fine. Occasionally, I have to wait an extra couple seconds for the door to uh, trigger through if this and that. But it works. Yes, I'm maybe standing there for a few seconds, but it's absolutely fine. But there is one last thing that I want to mention, because all of this, as I mentioned, is based off of the light bulbs themselves being smart and turning on and off, which means you cannot turn the light switch off. If you're going to do this, this is one of the biggest flaws with using smart bulbs themselves is you cannot turn the light switch off, which is why most of the time I would rather replace it with a smart plug or a smart switch itself. But what I was going to do was just go and put a piece of tape on there. It's in the garage piece of tape, but I vision the day that the internet goes down and you're really trying to find something important and you're sitting there trying to pull off that duct tape or whatever. So I managed to find 
some magnetic switch covers. I didn't know these things existed. I was able to found the, mm. find them. And they've got magnets basically where the screws are. And they're just plates that go over top of huh. your switch. So nice. if you ever have to do that, you just go ahead and just pull off the cover really easily. It's on there tight, but it takes no, no effort at all to pull off. And so I have got those in the garage because I do picture my wife trying to go in there and and me getting in a lot of trouble because she can't turn on the lights, right? So I'd, I'd rather do that. They're, I think they're a few dollars over where they should be, but I will pay the extra few dollars because then if that ever happens, we can just toggle the switch. I was going to say, what is the price, at, just rough price point for them? Are we talking $10, $2, $5? Canadian. I think Which is about I th five US. I think they're more of a four four dollar Canadian product myself. Yeah, um, two to three. US, I actually yeah. was thinking that I I actually have some magnets kicking around, and I might actually get my brother to three D print uh, another one. Oh yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I've I've got. I'm gonna use the one that I bought because I I want to have it there now. Um, but I have another switch actually where I have this exact same scenario, and I might. I might put the proper non 3D print one on there because it looks probably a little better than the 3D would, but get him to 3D print one for the garage. I was just looking over at my side uh, shelf because I usually, and I don't know where they are right now, but they're not there. I usually have small magnets there. I bought a pack of uh, just small magnets, mostly so that I can connect them to screwdrivers that are non-magnetic so that I can actually connect to magnetic screws, like little electronic screws and stuff like that so don't lose them as they're going in and going out but i could totally see using those same and they're cheap too yeah. oh my gosh they come from china they take forever to come yeah, but they they're, they're cheap and yes. you could in, insert them into a 3d print and you know put a little glue on one side mm -hmm. yeah your brother could totally do that for you that would be awesome oh, yeah yeah so that's what i'm thinking uh like i said you know for the seven bucks or whatever i'm I'll I'll use them what I've got, but if I ever you know need to do more, I'll just uh, see if you can 3D print something because I didn't even I just happened to come across them, and I think that it's uh it's a lot better than putting tape on there and then in the middle of the dark trying to pull off said tape, and it's probably safer too if all of a sudden something happens and you gotta shut it off. So that's what I was doing with my home automation in recent, and uh, I'm really actually comfortable with going with the motion sensor. I wish that the connection was more stable because again. Working flawlessly in my kitchen, very fast, very, very fast in my kitchen. And uh, I look forward to getting back to that with the garage. In the meantime, this will work. And I'm lazy. And it checks that check mark. <laughs> check. So if you got any questions about what I did, let me know. And uh, if you're yeah looking for a sensor and it's compatible with whatever you've got, the smart things one, I liked it far better than the Hue one. The Hue one is still here, but it's heading back to the store tomorrow. Uh, it's better pickup better adjustment and uh it's just an overall i think better product than the hue in my opinion and regular price was 34 dollars canadian and again regular price on the hue is 49 but i've said it before on here on my personal opinion this is just my own opinion i think billups hue is a little overpriced for what it is i tend to agree with you but i'm glad that worked for you and i'm glad you did not go with the lowe's iris brand and stuff because i don't know if you guys had seen this lowe's is pulling the plug on iris in like april or may Really? And they basically said, yeah, they basically said, if you've got it, here's your options of what to transfer to. And it was smart things. And evidently, if you've bought stuff in the past three months, they're refunding all of your money oh. on them, supposedly, because they're pulling the plug. And without the Iris app and the Iris back end, most of that stuff doesn't work. Well, I mm -hmm. mentioned in this that uh, SP has been doing some home automation stuff. So him and I have been chatting a little bit. And one of the things that I think is really interesting for me to see is for a very long time, when I first got into this, Wink itself was sold through Home Depot. Home Depot had the exclusive contract mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And then it, from my understanding, it's actually followed suit now in the US. It's mostly sold through Home Depot as well. A lot of the other retailers, it's out of stock and whatnot. So uh, I know Low Smart Things only officially came to Canada in October. And guess who they're with now? Lowe's. So what a shock. And I wonder if, if that's something that's happening down there or if it's already through there, but I know up here, that's primarily where you can get smart things as Lowe's. Right. Well, at Home Depot, I know they were Wink Hub vendors for a while. I don't know if they still are. As of a couple of months ago, they still were. I know that smart things, if you're going to go with a hub, 
smart things tends to have the market cornered right now. There's a bunch of people trying to go Wi-Fi. But the problem with that, if our listener doesn't already know, is that all the Wi-Fi is at 2.4 gigahertz, which is a very, very crowded band. And if you want to keep that as clear as you can possibly keep it clear for your other devices, stay away from the Wi-Fi stuff and go with a hub. That's why we've all chosen with a hub is we want to stay on the 900 megahertz band instead of the 2.4 gigahertz band. Now, I know Steven has mentioned to me he's just given up on 2.4 gigahertz, but the issue remains as much as you can clear off a 2.4 gigahertz, the better off you're going to be in the long term. And those Wi-Fi stuff, it just connects to your Wi-Fi. There's no actual central controller for it, so the app might not work as well with it. And the thing I like about the Samsung hub is that it's a reputable company and I can't imagine them dumping this anytime soon. I think they're going to want to keep this going for a while. Their products might be a little inferior, but I think they're thinking for the long term. Like they really want you to buy into their architecture to have it. Heck, was it during I, I saw an ADT commercial recently with a whole smart home automation. I'm like, guys, I mean, great stuff, but you guys are like two or three yeah. years behind everybody else. Yes, and it's very tough to get caught up. Agreed. I think Apple's a really good example of that just because they went so stagnant for so long. Um, one thing that I do want to mention before everybody starts emailing JS at gunnageek.com with hate mail. Yes, we understand that the Zigbee technology with this motion sensor is based on is indeed 2.4. Uh, we do We do recognize that you can read conflicting information about that, but the bottom line is Zigbee is not technically running on a Wi-Fi network. Yes, it's 2.4, but it's also not you the channels don't line up so you get a little bit of gain with that yes it's still using the same frequency but it is a little bit different than wi-fi plus the other thing with the wi-fi is internet of things items so hackable so really to do it right and do it safely our opinion here is generally if you're going to do wi-fi devices shove it on its own network so there's a whole other thing at least if you're going zigbee it's directly to your hub so it's it's better that way. So anywho, that's what I did. And if you got any questions, let me know. I hope that people enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I made the wife happy. And what's the saying? Happy wife. And you'll get in trouble for something else. Is, is, that, is that the phrase? Something like that? Happy wife sometimes get new toys, Stephen. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that's coming from somebody who isn't married yet, though. <laughs> Well, we only got a few more months. Five, four, I don't know. 107 days. <laughs> That's it. We'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll give everybody here a moment to plug and promote and do whatever they'd like to do. Let's start off with The Bachelor, Chris Farrell. I mean, I've been in a committed relationship for like six years, so I'm not really sure if I'm a bachelor anymore. But yes, I guess technically by Steven's definition, I am for another 107 days, as SP has pointed out to me. <laughs> I'd just like to point out to everyone, hey, Head on over to gunageek.com, click on the, or geeks.live rather, and you can catch all of the awesome live content we have going on. There's a bunch of live shows that stream on there. In addition to the gunageek.com show, like you're watching now, you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see a calendar of all of the other live events. So please hop on in on one of these other shows. Tell them that we sent you and say hi for us. All right, let's go over to Stargate Pioneer, also known as the guy that stole lots of Bitcoin. So I... We'll have to say, I'll have to caveat this by saying Stephen and I did not coordinate anything on this this past week, mostly because Stephen fired me and we weren't really talking all that much about Gunna Geek because I thought I was fired. But I have a video which is not online as we record live yet, but it will be in another day on the Gunna Geek Gear YouTube channel about my experience with upgrading my smart home devices to samsung smart things so nice. i have that over on gunny geek gear available for you if you're watching the published version it should be available right now awesome and i want to go ahead and also say that um if you have not checked out the gunny geek gear channel we do have some videos over there and uh i published one over the weekend here that is all about a method that you could use if you're trying to hook up multiple USB microphones and record them in a multi-track scenario. So if you're someone that that's going, hey, that sounds interesting, let me know and then try it because I showed how it was theoretically done. 
I've just not tried it in a practical environment, and I admitted that in the video. So I'd love to have someone actually try that out, and I'm not going to do it because I am a terrible individual, as we all know. A lazy check mark right there. Lazy. <laughs> but yeah, youtube.com slash gear and check out both of those videos there. And also youtube.com slash Chris laughs for three hours. That's a new channel, and all it is is him laughing for three hours straight. <laughs> my my put, laugh is not as cool as Ron Funches's, though. Fair let's enough. Let's be honest. He puts it opposite of the 10-hour Nyan Cat video. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, for episode number two-something, I don't know, 274, I think it is, I'm Steven John Drew saying lazy checkmark accomplished. Didn't have to install a new switch. And I'm SP saying the video that I referred to has me installing a new smart switch. See you guys next week. And I'm Chris Farrell, and I'm here to laugh for three hours. <laughs> it hurts. Bye. Bye. Oh, it hurts. Thanks for checking out another episode of the official GunnaGeek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.